what we affirm is a vital relationship with a true and living God that cannot be contained in any religious garb because it is a full expression of the person and work of Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in to the Rescue Mission Podcast. This is Jay Evans. I'll be your host today. Today, I've got Blake Douglas, Director of Marketing. I've got Matt Haberman, Director of Spiritual Care. And I've got our CEO, Pastor Donovan Coley, with me. Hello, gentlemen. Hey. What a privilege to be here. So would you say he's the director of everything? Who? Donovan. I would say Jesus is the director of everything. But you're like the assistant. I'm kind of like an extension. Assistant regional manager. Manager. He's our Dwight. Dwight Schrute. I'm just a servant of the most high God, Jesus. Well, he just goes right in. He does. Doesn't play around. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This is great, guys. So speaking of Jesus. Amen. Yes. um, No, we actually do want to... We wanted to spend a little bit of time with the idea of, of focusing on as we... As we let people know who we are yeah. as a mission, right? As we're, we're trying, we, we understand there's going to be people who listen to this who, who know us. There's going to be, a, we hope, thousands, tens of thousands of people who Hundreds listen to this that, that may not know who we are. So we want to be pretty upfront about what the things are that we, we feel like are, are the non-negotiables. Like they're, they're what make us who we are. And so obviously you're, you're sitting underneath our sign that has our mission and our vision, Right. That took, I mean, just, just as a side note, this isn't any of the questions. When was the um, mission and the vision conceived of and, and sort of written down as we see it now? So we've been incorporated since 1903, thereabouts. Yeah. And when you read the articles of incorporation, you see elements of uh, our mission statement there. So I believe it would have been in the 70s or so. When you had the Reverend Gus Paris, uh, a, a gentleman who was a mafia from New York City, ended up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and he became our director here at the Fort Wayne Rescue Mission. And they started to fine-tune what it is that we do and who we are. And so they came to the conclusion that we exist to provide through the power of Jesus Christ a home for the homeless, food for the hungry, and hope for their future. And that statement continued all the way through. And I remember even in 2006, when I was on the board, prior to being a CEO at the Rescue Mission, that every retreat, we would revisit that. And the group would say, well, this is going to be the shortest part of the meeting. And they rehearsed and restated the mission statement and the vision statement, which says to transform lives to the love of Jesus Christ. And they would ask the question, uh, does anybody have any problem with our mission or vision? And I remember sitting there and everybody said, hey, we're good. All those in favor say aye. Aye. And they moved to the business session. (laughs) So it was so incredible to see that they saw this as the bedrock upon which the rescue mission was founded. It um, It sounds like an easy commitment to keep. It, it was an easy commitment, but as time progressed, they were having difficulty with the last part that says hope for their future. And so 
you can see the conversation started to shift where hope for the future means a whole lot of things. And we weren't just talking about the hope of the resurrection and the hope for eternal life. But what does hope in the here and now look like? And with, so you with can flesh on, right? With flesh on. Yeah. So the rescue mission started to shift, not away from its focus in terms of hope being in Jesus Christ, the solid rock, but in how we apply principles of hope and practices of hope so that we have a practical gospel being applied in a practical way in transforming the whole man, not just spiritually but in all facets of his or her life. So in this, I mean, that's pretty comprehensive, right? Yes. So this isn't just, we are not Christian by affiliation or nominal in what we do. This is really hopefully embedded in, in everything we do. Yes. They, they took more of a biblical theology um, approach as opposed to a denominational slant or any kind of a theological doctrine that was going to guide us. And they were looking at the practical side of who Jesus is. How did Jesus interact with the poor? How did he interact with a woman at the well? Um, how did he interact with the man who was born blind? And he talks about, I must do the works of him who sent me while this day, because the night comes when no man can work. And so we stepped out of the church in the sense of the four walls of the church and followed Jesus into the marketplace as well as into the streets and under the bridges and wherever the poor and those who are marginalized exist. Jesus existed, and so he says, hey, come along for the ride. Mm. And that's what the rescue mission is all about. It yeah. is accompanying Jesus into the places where people are broken and are most vulnerable. You and should preach sometime. That's why we stayed, that's why we stayed downtown, though, right, Donovan? Oh, We had our location at 301, and yes. we moved to 404, but we intentionally kept that downtown heart that we stayed in the heart of downtown because that's where the biggest needs was. Is that correct? Yes. We have always been downtown. So we started out there on Lafayette somewhere and then we moved down to Columbia street and then we moved from Columbia street, actually where you had Columbia street bar, that little corner spot right there by the landing. Um, we have pictures that will show you the building and then we moved uh, in, in, in the 1960s to 301 West Superior Street. And then here we are, 2020, July 2020, uh, we moved into 404 East Washington Boulevard. So we have always been downtown. And the reason why we're downtown isn't because um, uh, we felt it was important to be downtown. That was where you're going to find the core essential services Mm. Um, that the poor and those individuals who are marginalized need. Plus, in most of your downtown, you will find the hub where the homeless individuals would congregate so as to meet around the needs. They're in, in a place, what we call city gate, you know, where people are welcomed into a city. And so they come to downtown, and we decided that we're going to plant our feet right where people are. So the homeless aren't downtown because the rescue mission is, is, is the rescue mission is downtown because that's where the homeless people are. 
Yeah, pretty consistent with what you said about yeah. going to them, right? Can't go to them if if you're not near. I think right. um, I, this this may seem like going backwards, but sure. Sort of the 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 foundation of some of this is you know we don't have to look very far to see a secularization in culture. Yeah. Right? We don't have to look very far to see the abandonment of Jesus from. Uh, let me restate that the abandonment of Christians from all different aspects of right, life. The public square. Right. And it, that you also don't have to look very far to see some sort of animosity towards Christianity. So what do you begin to say to people who would say, why can't you do all of this without Jesus? Why can't you just show the love? Like what's so important about keeping all of this religious stuff, yeah. as they would say, right? I'm... I'm being a little bit, a little you, bit glib. You, you're asking a great question. In fact, you use the word religious stuff. And so what we do isn't religion. You know, religion is nothing more than man's expression of his or her reaching out to God or to a deity. What we affirm is a vital relationship with a true and living God that cannot be contained in any religious garb because it is a full expression of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And I think what a lot of people are fed up of and um, they're struggling with is man's expression of religion. That isn't what it is we do at the Fort Wayne Rescue Mission. We don't want... Um, a sugar coat, some way of um, saying we're religious and we're doing a religious thing. We have been transformed by a relationship with a true and living God who has revealed himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ. But he didn't just send us languages or, or verbiage. He, he demonstrated his reality by how he cared for the poor, how he cared for those who are struggling, in fact, the Jesus that we affirm is a Jesus that relates actually better with those who are what is considered the dregs of society. Mm-hmm. And so he is the kind of Jesus that is so believable that even the religious, when they're confronted by this Jesus, they realize that they're not following that Jesus mm-hmm. who has been um, who, who, who lifts himself off of the pages of Holy Scriptures, if you will, to identify with people. Yeah. And so I would agree with some of those folks that I'm tired of religion. Yeah. In fact, I am really tired of institutionalized religion. But I love Jesus mm-hmm. and who Jesus is and the Jesus that is revealed in Scripture. And that's what we try to do. That is what people need. Mm. They don't want a sugar-coated kind of a religion. What they're looking for is an experience and an encounter with the living God, and that's who we affirm here. And so we could not have done, and we can't do anything of significance without the supreme being, the God who has revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what we try to do, and that's what we do at the Rescue Mission. When I was in, we all, you know, don't give a pastor a mic and don't let them talk about their time in seminary, right? (laughs) So when I was in seminary, we had a we had a course, and we talked an awful lot about uh, it was a missional engagement type of type of conversation, and and 
we talked an awful lot about the idea of how important is the medium to the message. Yeah. Right. And we ended up, we ended up on the, on the page of saying that the medium in many cases is the message. Right. And I, I think I hear yes. that in what you're saying. The, yes. the, the message is, is that we want to love people and we do that by making sure that they have food, by making sure they have shelter, by making sure they have, Dry socks. Right. And that's XYZ. exactly what God does. You know, when we think about the Christmas story, for instance, we're talking about a God who is incarnate. And that word is enfleshment. So here is God, the eternal God, who he takes on flesh. And so he could have sent a word. He could have sent an idea. He could have sent a system, send a system. And so he comes in bodily form. And so he takes on humanity, and he then identifies with humanity. And this is what we do. The kind of Christianity that the rescue mission affirms, it is one where you have been transformed by this God who then calls you to identify with the broken, to identify with those who are marginalized, and I think this is where Christianity um, takes on legs, if you will, and it, because it's all about the heart of Jesus expressed in practical ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah. I think I love where your missional class was yeah. going. Well, so Eugene Peterson, right, yes. he said, he said tran transposed passage at the beginning of John to say um, Jesus be put on flesh and he moved into the neighborhood. Yes. Can you, can you just maybe drill down a little bit into that? And what are the things that are, that we might not say are explicitly religious, but that are explicitly Jesus? Yes. Like what are the, what are those means that convey that message? So when somebody comes to the rescue mission, the first thing that we want to do is to make sure we acknowledge them to let them know that we see them. And so think about the woman at the well, when Jesus, who decided to show up about midday, and he saw that this woman was coming to the well, and we see that in John chapter 4, she comes to the well, and she was trying to isolate herself from the other women. I mean, when, when, when she thought about um, her lifestyle, and so there was a sense of being isolated, but Jesus positioned himself at the very place where he knew he would find her. In fact, even before that, mm. Jesus said to his disciples, I have to go through Samaria. And so what we do that I think is explicitly Christian is we're going to meet the person right where they are. You don't have to be sanitized. You don't have to feel like I have to get it together to fit into a community. We want you to come just the way you are. And I think often people look at religion and they feel as if they're not good enough. And we're saying just come just the way you are because Jesus, he wants you and he loves you unconditionally. You don't have to... Fix yourself up. You come with your brokenness, come with your scars, come with your feelings of abandonment and rejection like the woman at the well. And then we have conversations with those people. We don't mandate that you have to go to chapel 
for us to beat you know you over the head with the bible there's there's always that bait and switch right yes you can come in you can have that sandwich yes but but you either have to go to chapel or you have to do this we're saying you come just the way you are and somebody will be there to love you somebody will be there to care for you and then we're going to give you the dignity of choosing uh, you make the choice as to where you want to go in what we call our our continuum. Mm. You know, if you want to move from crisis and you want to just develop and grow to where you could be a person who's thriving, mm-hmm. we put that on you. We empower you, but we're not going to force you or beat you over the head with anything. Yeah, I want to. I want to come back to that thriving. I'd like but- to interject on that and. The point of this, one of the points of this podcast is helping people understand who we are, what we do, and really talk about those misconceptions and what you guys were just talking about with the chapel. I'd love for you to just talk about a little further, Donovan, as far as I know previously, years ago, it was required to come to, ch- to go to chapel if you were staying in the shelter in the evening. Can we talk about why that change happened? Um, I know that it was a hard choice for us, and it really happened during COVID because we had to close chapel down and then reopening it we tried to remove as many barriers as possible for people entering our building and i'd love for you just to quickly let our audience know this is why the chapel was important to us to bring back but why we wanted to make sure our community still felt welcomed one of the things we often say here at the mission is hope begins with a meal and then immediately after a meal as pastor matt said you know often we provide a meal, then we're going to force them to do this or to do that, or we mandate certain things. One of the things that we have learned, too, is when individuals come to the rescue mission, they're in need of community. And so we don't want it to be a forced community. And we don't want it to be a barrier for you not to feel like you are inching into community where we're going to force you to gather in a setting And I think what COVID did, it's as if God says, I'm going to pull community apart, but make sure that we still put a premium and value on the individual. And so we started creating safe spaces where we could have individual interaction. And then slowly we started to introduce having chapel services. So we started with those men who are in program by doing some small group meetings. In fact, we even did some art therapy during uh, COVID so as to create safe space for folks. Then we realized that people were feeling anchored in community, so why not introduce it more as an opportunity for those who would like to voluntarily come to a safe space? We're seeing our numbers increase in a number of people who are coming into chapel because they don't feel forced, but yet they're being integrated into community. So it starts with an individualized approach that our staff took. And I'm so proud of our chaplains, our, our spiritual care directors, our life coaches, and all those individuals who took the time, especially during COVID, to create a new way of delivering the services, which is individualized, safe space, and then we can do things. In fact, Pastor Matt just did a memorial service here at the Rescue Mission, and it was amazing to see the number of men and women who showed up, including the families of the the, the young man who went home to be with Jesus. And the family members said, 
you guys knew my son, our child, better than we did. And it all started with these individual conversations with people. So mm -hmm. that to me is where we're headed. Yep, okay, This powerful. is not about mandating anything, but we're inviting people to come into community so, and it's working. So just to clarify, to get rid of all of the misconceptions, all the red tape, we don't require people when they come through our doors to be a part of chapel. Right. And so by the time you're involved in a program at the Rescue Mission, whether it's a short-term program or the long-term program, you are now in community. So we do have chapel services for those individuals, but that is just a part of communal living here at the Fort Wayne Rescue Mission. We've, we've dodged all the, those really hard questions that I had. We got way past them to the meat. I would want to talk for a few minutes about one, what that transformation looks like, yeah, or what we were, what you said about thriving. Like, what is it? What would it really look like to see that transformation? And 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 let's just be, you know, for for those of us who have worked on the front lines here, right? It doesn't happen as often as we want it to, or as completely as we want it to. But would you maybe maybe talk about what the difference is of how we see transformation versus? Everybody in a three-piece suit. Yes. Yeah. There are about 315 other rescue missions that are part of our network in America, and they're different models, okay? And so you do have a model where we believe or they believe that transformation is the, the, the Billy Graham approach. It's the evangelistic approach. It is the altar call approach. And those are incredible elements that um, I believe and I affirm and have a place in the body of Christ. But when you're at a place called the Fort Wayne Rescue Mission, transformation for us is gradual and it is a process. And uh, individuals are different places in their own walk and in their own journey. In fact, we have folks who have been impacted by mental illness and so just having an individual in chapel, what they're looking for is peace, you know, peace of mind. There are others who may have been incarcerated and they've been away for a long time, and what they're looking for is a sense of acceptance and a place of stability. And you may have others who, you know, they're just down on their luck, and I'm using that word. I don't use the word luck a lot, but in quotation marks, and so they just need a place to stay, and so they're at a different place. So think of a community where you have all kinds of needs. And so what we encourage individuals to do is to start by developing a sense of identity. And so if you can come to the rescue mission, what we are going to encourage the person to do is to, to take a step back and reflect upon where they are what has gotten them to where they are, and then slowly we try to help them rediscover who they are, okay? Their sense of identity. Sooner, over time, we point them, that, point them to the way that the best way to find your identity is in Christ, you know, the creator. If I want to fix my old car that, you know, is walking through its, its last leg, the best group that can help me with that is the Honda dealership. 
It's a Honda Accord. And so I may want to take it to the, 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 the manufacturer, those who are nearest and dearest to the best way that can give me the best parts and everything because it was designed by them. And so what we do is we try to create an, a, a, an atmosphere where we can just point people to the, the master designer, if you will, the, the manufacturer, the creator God. And we slowly just lovingly walk them through that process. And so while we do have chaplains and they preach and they give an invitation to follow Christ, um, we know better than that, okay? A person is composed of body, soul, and spirit. And so we can get a decision, but we're not looking for a decision. We're looking for disciples, people who will learn and follow after Jesus. And so it looks differently. And so... You, you are able to even speak better. I mean, you, you are on the front lines, and you have seen it firsthand that this is not about making a decision. All right, today you're now saved, and you're good to go. <laughs> this is a process. Theologically, call it the process of sanctification, mm-hmm. if you will. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, let's try, and, let's try and land the plane. Okay, right? land it. And if we could, if we could go from where we are just now in talking about this transformation, right. there, there's, we could do all of these things, uh, and do them well, which I think we do on a, a on a lot of on most days. I hope, uh, but there's there's something more that that we include in our mission and our vision, that it's through the power of Jesus Christ. Yes. Right? So I, I'm looking at that, and I'm seeing that there's something that no matter how much education we have, no matter how much training we have, no matter how charismatic or excellent we are at what we do, there's something more that needs to happen. So maybe we can, maybe we can just sort of land the plane right. in, in thinking about um, what this looks like. I, I want to dial in on the idea that, um, that there is something that happens beyond just our skill. Yes. Right. Yes. And how, and how does that, how does that get in here? Okay. Right. So let's land the plane as you, as you said, and um, you're so right. There's just so much more to going in, being in chapel. Okay. It's so important for you now to be a part of a process. And part of that process is uh, Bible reading. It, it actually takes being a part of small groups. And we have different ways of congregating around here at the Rescue Mission. But we do all of that with the help of the Holy Spirit, the person and work of the Holy Spirit. So it's a discipleship process. So you're going to be working with a case manager um, on a daily basis. You may, you may also need to work with your mental health professional if you are a part of a community and you're dealing with um, mental health challenges, and so you have to meet with a psychiatrist, you, you often have to meet with a therapist. And so as you walk through this process, it becomes a holistic um, approach that we take. You become a part of a vocational team because we want you to also learn and embrace some soft skills. But at the end of the day, you're focusing on body, soul, and spirit. We're going to help you take care of your physical needs. And uh, you may have some medical challenges as well. So you're going to be working 
with our medical staff that we have here through one of our partners. And then on the soul, we need to work through our mind, our emotions, and our intellect. And so we have ways of helping an individual address some of those, those needs. And then uh, that spirit, it is just continuing to grow in your walk, in Jesus, your devotional life, being able to spend time with Christ every single morning, and depending on the pattern of your life, depending if you're working third shift, some, some individuals are working, but just making time to be with Jesus, and Jesus will be with you. And I love the scriptures where it says, and surely I'll be with you always. So he will walk with you and talk <clears throat> with you as well. Yeah, I, I so appreciate your perspective on this. I mean, you've been doing this for a bunch of years. About 15 years right? or so. 15 years, but uh, certainly your heart is in this. Certainly, uh, uh, your passion shines through. It's it's not something you're do, doing just as a job. Let me just let me just give a, a takeaway or two in terms of what I heard uh, you say. I, I I heard you talk about relationships that these things happen uh, inside the contact uh, context of human community, and in those communities we find a, a maybe a refined identity, a different identity than we thought we had. We tell a new story. Uh, and, and I also heard you talking just about acknowledging people where they are, which is so important, and, uh, but not letting them stay there, right? right? Providing, providing opportunity at every step to, to heal the inside and the outside and to, to help people move towards thriving. I, I can't tell you how thankful we are to uh, have, have uh, been a part of this mission under your leadership and it's just been a privilege. So I'm honored you. to be here. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for your time. And uh, uh, I know we're going to be hearing more from you. Maybe like a, a show on recipes that you like. And <laughs> Jamaican recipes. Jamaican recipes. How, how, how spicy is too spicy? How spicy is too spicy? Oh, yeah. Right. It's an important question. I mean, the, the listeners want that. So We need to give the people what they want. Right. right. Amen. <laughs> Pastor Donovan, thanks for coming on. Matt, thank you for kind of for leading that and those thoughtful questions. We're going to have Donovan on again to discuss leadership here in a few episodes. But for now, thank you for listening to the Rescue Mission podcast. Whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a review. Be sure to recommend to a friend that you think may find this to be a blessing. Thank you again for tuning in to the Rescue Mission podcast. <laughs>